Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 125 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and today we're going to talk about the top contenders in the NBA and if we're nervous about them heading into the playoffs. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And until the end of the month, we're being hosted on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA stuff at FRS Hoops with a Z. Again, a reminder that come next week, we will be hosted somewhere else, so subscribe however you are doing it already uh itunes or whatever android app you use because after monday we will not be on fan rack with all of that said joining me today as always is my very stable genius of a co-host morton jensen how's it going mort i can't wait hey it's jamie progressive number one number two employee leave a message at the hey jamie it's me jamie this is your daily pep talk I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For Creed 2. <laughs> you finally got through all of the Rockies? Oh, not not finally. We just forgot to talk about it last time. I saw every movie from Rocky 1 to Creed. Yeah. Um, one movie every night. Yeah. And just went through it. Um, so, yeah. That was something. That was I a week. You. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I never want to see Rocky 5 ever again. No. Rocky 5 is terrible. I, I warned yeah. you about that one. You did. Absolutely. Yeah. But I had to. You know, you, yeah, you, right, you just right, right. you have to. But you but, had the you had the benefit of knowing that that wasn't the final Rocky, at least. Like, imagine people. Well, I oh forget when that came out, but like, you live with that for like twenty years. Nineteen ninety, like yeah, yeah. But, okay, so like fifteen <laughs> years. You're like, is that the last time we're going to see Rocky? Like that travesty of a movie. Yeah. Yep. So at least you only had to w- wait one night to see him come back and return to glory. Yeah, no, it was it was interesting. Next up, you know, is Rambo because I've never oh, actually, wow. I I haven't, I I just was never on this sort of Vessel Stallone wagon at any yeah. point. So, uh, I, I have to see if there's a streaming service out there in Denmark that delivers all the the Rambo flicks. <laughs> if not, I might have to go shopping. Now, yeah. I, now I just want to get through it so I can add that to my IMDb page. <laughs> That yeah. makes sense. And oh, speak, yeah. speaking of Philadelphia heroes, Mort, that's a great way to transition. Before we talk about the top contenders, 
We need right. to talk about the big news from Monday, the out of the blue news from Monday. Markel Fultz, after missing 68 games with the shoulder injury that sidelined him since October, made his return to the Sixers. Mm-hmm. He played 14 minutes, had 10 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds. Mort, you said you you caught the game. Uh, did you watch it while it was happening or this morning? No, I, I saw it while it was happening, oh, but I, I didn't catch all of it. I caught the first half, and then I got too damn tired to, yeah. to carry on. <laughs> and then I saw highlights in the morning. Nice. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, he had that one air ball, in mm-hmm. the, air ball jumper in the first half where you were like, uh-oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of where I left off with him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I returned in the morning and saw his stat line and saw the highlights, I was like, oh, good on him for having a much better second half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, the first jumper, at least the form looked good. That Like, that was more what I wanted to see. I didn't really care mm. if the shots went in. It was more like, does he still have that weird little elbow hitch? So, yeah. yeah, he took the one jumper in the first quarter, I think, like, pretty quickly after he uh, he subbed into the game with about three minutes left in the first. And his first possession, he turned the ball over. But, he again, it was, like, a nice, aggressive move trying to go to the basket. Hmm. Um, and then it, that didn't sap his aggressiveness moving forward. Like, I was afraid that he would have, like, one bad turnover and miss, like, airball one jumper and then would just go into his shell. Right. But, no, he, I mean... He stayed aggressive the whole night, which was great to see. So, yeah, Mort, what are your overall takeaways from what you saw out of Fultz Monday and what it means for the confidence moving forward? Confidence, confidence, confidence. I mean, when you attack the basket, you have to assume that there's no fear in him because he might get fouled. Everyone mm-hmm. knows that attacking the basket could mean or could lead, sorry, to free throws. Yep. And I think that's a huge step because, as you saw, like, you you had guys previously in the NBA who could not shoot free throws and who would just stay on the perimeter and take very uh, uncontested jump shot and just did not want to get near the foul line. And Fultz, to his credit, was like, nope, F that, I'm going to attack, <laughs> yeah. which I, I really like. But I do have one more, one question that doesn't uh, surround Fultz here, but but it's just so crucial. Did we find, have we have has anyone located J.J. Reddick's body yet? <laughs> what? What happened to JJ? Oh, did you did you not see that Jamal Murray absolutely murdered him? Oh no, I was too busy watching Joel Embiid. I forget who he did it over. But oh, okay. He, he had a murder dunk late in the game. Oh, yeah, Jamal Murray just oh. just cramped so hard <laughs> on JJ. It was it, beautiful. <laughs> well, Fultz got him back with a little chase down block in the third or no fourth quarter, I believe, mm. early in the fourth. Uh, but yeah, oh. I mean, I, I think you're spot on where the, the confidence there. You're, yeah, like you're talking about guys who are afraid to get to the free throw line. I think of like Rajon Rondo right away. You know, guys who oh, yeah. like pass up open layups because he was like, oh shit, I'm going to get fouled and I, I'm mm-hmm. not going to do that. But yeah, that you know, Fultz is like, he was a little out of control, especially at first. Uh, but that's to be expected. Like he's a rookie point guard set playing... out for 68 games, right? Like he's playing his fifth <laughs> NBA game. I'm not sweating that too hard. Nope. I, I think you're you're right. The the confidence and the aggressiveness and that saying the whole night was the biggest sign. More so than you know. Obviously, I'm encouraged by the fact that jumper doesn't look horrendous anymore. Right. But yeah, I mean, more like the mindset that he played with last night. I think is the 
most promising sign moving forward. I hope he can keep it up, obviously. Um, you know, it seemed like his night was over. They, he played about, I think, five minutes in the between the first and second quarter, and then about five more minutes between the third and the beginning of the fourth, and then Brett Brown pulled him out. Uh, you know, when he came in in the third quarter, it was a three-point game, and then when he came out five minutes later, it was a 15-point game. So he had a couple of layups during that, a mm. few assists as well. Like, he played a crucial role in... You know, that, that was a close game for three quarters. The Nuggets, I think they had an eight-point lead at halftime even. It looked like the Sixers were maybe going to lose that one. And then he helped swing the tide. They end up winning by 20. And <laughs> I think my favorite part of the game was with about three minutes left, you could just – you hit first there was a we want false chant. But then all the people in Philly started doing the Vikings. They do the little skull chant where they, they raise their arms and do that, when, which we appropriated with Nick Foles earlier in the year during the NFC Championship game. But then we went next level and started doing the skull chant with Fultz. So then Brett Brown brought him back in. And I think that's where we really saw, you know, he hit a couple jumpers late in the game, including a 20-footer, mm-hmm. both of which... For whatever reason, Mason Plumlee was switched on to him, which yeah, that's that's certainly a coaching strategy. I don't know if it's a good one, but it's <laughs> it is a strategy. Uh, but I'm encouraged by the fact that you know he saw that he's like this dude's not going to be able to keep up with me, so I'm just gonna you know dribble to my spot and pull up without hesitation. Yeah, yep. So, so it's gonna be interesting to see you know what the hell happened in those 68 games and in the summer? I mean, at some point, we are bound to get a story out there that really details what happened because the the reports that we've had right now are very conflicting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're ever going to get the full story there. Like, Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice had a really good story back in mid-February, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, which is, honestly, I'm guessing that's the most detail we're going to get out of him. I, like, Fultz, after the game, a couple reporters asked him about the shoulder injury, and he just didn't say anything. Um, and uh, Stephen A. Smith, in all of his blowhard glory, put him on blast for that today, which, whatever. Like, I I don't care. I mean, Does you know, Stephen A. Smith still, you know, exist? Right. I didn't yeah. know. If yeah. a dumbass shouts of the wood, could anyone hear him? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't really... You know, I would love to know the full details, but... We're probably never going to find out, and if it if this is a blip on his successful fifteen year career, I don't particularly care. Like, <laughs> right. you know, ultimately it was yeah. you know it, yes, it was mostly a lost season, but the Sixers have still won now forty three games. I mean, they they've defied expectations right. really throughout the entire season. Um, I mean, it just wouldn't be a Philadelphia 76 rookie. <laughs> right. If, yeah. If he didn't miss a majority of his rookie season. Apparently. Yeah. That's yeah. just tradition at this point. I mean, yeah, look, you wanted uh, Mikhail Bridges. I mean, <laughs> poor Mikhail. Ready to yeah. miss the entire first year. <laughs> yeah. What freak injuries could afflict yeah. him in the next three months? It's a good <laughs> question. Uh, before we move on from Fultz, though, more, what do you think? his return means moving forward for the Sixers who are, you know, they've already clinched a playoff spot. Mm. They're jostling for home court advantage, at least in the first round still could move up to the three seed. If they beat Cleveland, uh, they have a game in early April that will probably be right. a decisive move there. So how much do you see faults helping them in the playoffs? If at all? Oh, I mean, look before Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova came on board, 
I think it's fair to call Philadelphia's Benz bench for absolute trash. <laughs> yes, uh, it, correct. It was it was really bad, so there was really no level of debt. Now you have Bellinelli, Ilyasova, who's given that bench a huge jump. Yep. Add Markel Fultz to that second unit. Now you've got something. Now you've got some legitimate depth. Yeah. Um, not something that necessarily rivals Toronto's depth. No. But it's not, you know, it's not dimensions off anymore. Yeah. I mean, right. The the bench before the All-Star break was 26. Oh, it was atrocious. It was 26th in terms of points per game. And it had a yeah. bottom 10 net rating of minus 3.2. So... They moved up slightly since Bellinelli and Ilyasova arrived, but they still were like league average to below league average. I think they were around league average in points and then still a little bit below in net rating. Mm. And their biggest struggle has been shot creation. Because, you know, I love TJ McConnell, but because he's a limited shooter, teams don't necessarily respect him behind the three-point line that much. Yeah. I think Fultz... You know, Denver was giving him space. I think teams are probably going to adjust and force him. They're going to start playing him like Ben Simmons or like TJ until he can prove he can hit that open three-pointer. But, I mean, he he just showed... The passing gifts he showed Monday night were, I mean, highly encouraging. Like, yep. he hit... I mean, he had a behind-the-back dribble pass to Embiid that led to free throws. He hit Covington and Redick for a couple of threes. Uh, you know, he had one like early early possession um, where he like dribbled toward the hoop and did one of his little spin moves and realized like oh nope they walled that off pretty well. But then Ersan Ilyasova was standing there 14 feet away, so he just passed on the ball. Ilyasova drained the jumper. So I think if nothing else, Fultz will help the bench avoid those long scoring droughts, which will be huge. Um, we'll talk about Toronto's bench in a little bit. In fact, you know, the bench in the playoffs probably isn't going to get as much burn as it is during the regular season, particularly late in the regular season. But the Sixers have a ridiculously easy schedule over these final 10 games. I think they only play, they play Cleveland and Milwaukee, and then I believe Detroit as well. And those are the only three teams on their schedule that are not completely tanking. So... Fultz should have an opportunity to get some actual run in these mm. final ten games, get a little bit more comfortable, and like I, you know, I don't think he's going to move into the starting lineup by any means. Like they're, the Sixers' starting lineup is one of the best in the league, at least in terms of net rating. So Brett Brown knows that he's not going to shake anything up. But if you know, if Fultz can provide some extra punch off the bench, both as a scorer and a shot creator for him and others. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I don't think it's going to hurt the Sixers. I think, you know, I, I, I'm guessing Brown would have a pretty quick hook for him if he starts seeing him play recklessly. But if he plays like he did Monday night, it's only going to help, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what's the alternative? Right. I, yeah. I, <laughs> Jared Bayless. That's the alternative. Yeah. That, I mean, Bayless is probably going to be useful in the playoffs. But, yeah, yeah right now, I just want to see development minutes anyway. Yeah. I feel as though Philly could actually try out a pretty, pretty nice secondary lineup with yeah. Fultz at the point, Belly at the two, TLC at the three, Ursan at the four, and Rashawn Holmes at the five. I mean, that's not... I mean, look, that would beat the Bulls right now. <laughs> that's true. I mean, 
Uh, Rashawn is not getting that many minutes. Uh, I would guess Amir Johnson would be the backup five. I don't care. I want Rashawn. That's why I mentioned him because I I, I feel Rashawn is a lot better than Amir Johnson, and I'm and I'm low key annoyed with Brett Brown for not playing my boy a little bit more. You should be happy because that means he's going to get packaged with the number ten pick. It'll go to the Bulls for number eight, so they can take Mikhail Bridges. Why should I be happy about that? He'll just end up playing behind Cristiano Felicio or something. <laughs> that's, that's that would that would be a horrible place to land. That's true, but yeah, I mean they have. I, I think Justin Anderson didn't play Monday night, but he's played. Rel- I mean he's played some spot, some key spot minutes off the bench as well. So yeah, I, I think Philly, if they weren't already, I think they are now, especially the first round matchup that no team is going to be excited to draw. So. Uh, I'm pretty excited. Obviously, it's been a surprising, great development in Philly for the past 24 hours. So, uh, all good news there. We need to now switch our focus and talk about some of the top contenders that have not gotten as much good news as of late. And I mean, we have to start with the Golden State Warriors. Are you saying that it's bad news learning that Stephen Curry is going to be out for the first round of the playoffs? <laughs> it is mildly bad news, yeah. So yeah. He, he came back, he missed six games because of that ankle injury, came back Friday against the Hawks, looked like Steph Curry, and then JaVale McGee took a tumble in the third quarter right into Steph's, I believe it was his left knee. He suffered a grade 2 MCL sprain, the Warriors initially announced that he would be reevaluated in three weeks, and at the time they made that announcement, it was on Saturday. The playoffs were starting three weeks from that day, um, so you know it reevaluated does not mean he was coming back at three weeks. It was just they're going to see how he's doing progress wise. And Steve Kerr a day or two later followed up and said, "Look, Steph's not playing in the first round. It's just you know he he." didn't like officially rule him out but he he set the expectations that yeah. he is not playing in the first round it a grade two mcl sprain usually takes about six weeks to recover from so yeah i mean he, not only will he probably miss the first round but he's most likely going to miss some of the second as well um they're also you know the warriors we mentioned in recent episodes that they're also banged up with their other stars KD's got the rib injury, Klay Thompson has the fractured thumb, Draymond Green's nursing the pelvic condition, and now an illness. Oh, no, no, no. Draymond is actually, I I just saw this. Oh, yeah. It's a treat. Draymond Green, a variety of issues (laughs) downgraded from probable last night to doubtful this morning. Yeah, so there we go. We we don't know what that variety is, but it's called, uh, he needs rest before the playoffs. But all three of those guys should be back by the time the playoffs start They're Steph is the only guy who we're assuming is going to be absent come mid-April. But Mort, how nervous are you about the Warriors now that, you know, assuming Steph missed the first round, do you think they're at risk of a first-round upset? No, that's probably a little bit too aggressive, but I, it does make them human, Yeah, I feel. Um, so whoever they end up meeting unless it's been written in stone yet i don't think so right no no yeah they, no. they uh, i mean they're they're gonna be the number two seed no two, matter what yes but number we seven have, yeah we have no idea i mean the, I mean, the pelicans utah right now uh yeah right? well the pelicans are fifth 
They're tied with the Spurs at 43 and 31. The, I mean, the Thunder are only a half game ahead of them at 44 and 31, and then Minnesota and Utah are both tied at 42 and 32. So it, yeah, but but if we stick with the current of Utah, right, who's got the league's I want to say best defense at this point in time, um, <laughs> I mean, and without having the luxury of Curry around, mm-hmm. they could take two games, couldn't yeah. they? I mean, I. I, I, this might be dumb, and, like, I fully acknowledge that this could well, we are dumb. my face, but, like, I think, depending on who they draw, I do think without Curry, they, there's at least a road for them to be upset in the first round, and I agree that Utah is probably their worst matchup in terms of, like, who I would be most scared of if I'm a mm. Warriors fan. Oh, like, yeah. I think if... I mean, I don't expect Kawhi Leonard to come back this year. And even if he does, I, you know, he's missed so much time. We just don't know what he's going to look like. I, he's not going to be the Kawhi Leonard of old, most likely. Like, he's not coming back and playing 40 minutes a night. So, you know, if I'm a Warriors fan, ironically, I'm rooting for the Spurs to fall to seven just because we've seen the Warriors demolish the Spurs without Kawhi before. Right. I, you know, I, at first I was like, well, Minnesota's interesting because, you know, Jimmy Butler's going to be back soon. He's had basically two months off to rest. But now I'm realizing like, yeah, but the rest of the Timberwolves didn't. The rest of the Timberwolves have been brought <laughs> into the ground in the meantime because Tibbs refuses to play his bench and he's been playing Wiggins and Teague. Yeah, and, it's bad. And Towns, it's really bad. like 40 plus minutes a game. So I think. <laughs> They're probably just going to be out of gas by the time the playoff starts. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, personnel-wise, you know, they have Butler and Wiggins to match up with uh, with Thompson and Durant. So, like, in theory, on paper, like, Jeff Teague would have an advantage over Quinn Cook. Um, you know, they, like, theoretically, they would have the personnel to match up well with the Timberwolves, or with the Warriors. I just think Tibbs says he, he's just completely annihilated that team like they, they needed they needed a bench first of all and they just the you can tell those guys i mean they've they gibson's had comments um i forget who i think t had something this week where he's just like we need to have a bench like <laughs> we're tired yeah. we need a bench what are you doing, it's Tim? not good no. is, is what we're kind of alluding to here yeah yeah so yeah i mean utah i would think would be the best chance of springing the upset if only cut like jay crowder and joe ingles can again that personnel wise that's a decent matchup against clay and kd that i don't know if the warriors have an answer for rudy gobert i mean you know i love <laughs> sasa sasa yeah. make sure to injure him i guess right exactly like i think rudy gobert is gonna eat his lunch and then again oh, yeah. you know Ricky Rubio is not an all-star point guard by any means, but he's shown some, like, he, he's had the ability to really pop off for some points this year. And then Donovan Mitchell, who knows what we're going to get out of him. So, like, I if it's a Warriors-Jazz first-round series, I'm still picking the Warriors, but I don't feel yeah. good about it. No. Um, pretty much in agreement all the way through there. Yeah. What about... Let's assume they get through the first round. Then they're probably playing the winner. I mean, Portland 
is not locked into the three yet, but they have a two-game lead on the Thunder with, what, seven, eight games left? Like, they're, you know, they're more or less locked in. Um, do you think Portland could spring an upset in the second round if Steph misses half of that series? I mean, I think, you know, Portland is talking about going the distance because they're in that point right now where they, they, they're in a win-now situation. But I think this year might be the year before Portland catapults themselves into the whole Houston-Golden State area mm-hmm. because I think they're close. Yeah. Um, and I think internally they will be fine if they just have a six-game series against Golden State. Mm-hmm. But with Curry out, I think though I think that kind of expectation changes. If it, it, let, let's let's assume that Curry is out for the entirety of the second round, yeah. then I don't think six games is good enough for him anymore. Then it's either seven games or or a flat out win, serious win. Yeah. Uh, whether that's realistic is a different case, but I mean you'll have to basically chase around Dame and CJ and not pay attention to everyone else because they're just so dynamic. Mm-hmm. And if Yusuf Nurkic gets going, which I'm kind of waiting for to happen a little bit more because it seems like he's underperformed this year. I, mm-hmm. So I hope that the playoffs would mean like a fresh season for him, like a new start. Mm-hmm. Like There's no way that he doesn't eat Sasa's milkshake. Or <laughs> right. drinks, drinks his milkshake, it's yeah. called. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think it's possible... Portland does need a bit a, a better bench. Like they had the, they were in a similar, they are in a similar situation as Philly used to be before Bellinelli and mm-hmm. and Ilyasova and Fultz and all that. So they need some depth to pull it off. But mm-hmm. good lord, if they're all their starters are producing, I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say they can't do it. Yeah, I mean, because Alfaruk Aminu was pretty inconsistent for most of the year, but he's really turned it on as of late. Same goes for Mo Harkless. You're right. Outside of Shabazz Napier, Evan Turner, there isn't much production coming out of the bench. I mean, Ed Davis and Zach Collins have played well in spurts. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to that starting five. I'd probably feel, this may be dumb again, but I'd probably feel more confident in Utah springing the upset than I would Portland. Um, but I mean, Yeah, because of the defense? Yeah, but again, yeah. like, I, I, there's a road there, at least. I could see mm-hmm. it happening, like... That you know, I'm basically asking all these questions because I saw when the uh, when the Curry news was announced, I saw a lot of people saying, "Well, he's going to miss the first round, but don't worry, he'll be back for the second. And I was like, "Well, what if there isn't a second? Like all of these teams in the West in that three through eight race have basically been in the playoffs for a month. Like it's it's been win now since the All Star break, basically. So like, they're... yeah, and the Warriors have not had that mentality going in. So, yeah. Right. So, like, they're conditioned for this type of atmosphere, whereas mm-hmm. the Warriors are, like, they're all just banged up, and they're going to have to get back on the court soon. I mean, you know, chemistry is not a huge issue for them, but, like, I don't know. They, they feel more vulnerable than I think most people seem to be willing to acknowledge. And, again, they might just destroy whoever's in their path because... Kevin Durant might just go off for 40 a night. But I just don't understand why we're, like, underrating the possibility of a first-round upset. Okay, I'll just point something out here as well. So Damian Lillard 
over the past 18 games, mm-hmm. which is a that's a pretty significant chunk of the season. Would you agree yep. with that? Yep. 30.8 points a game on just 20.7 shots. I mean, this dude, it's 92% from the line, getting to the line damn near 10 times a game. Mm-hmm. Only two and a half turnovers in that time frame. I mean, he's playing MVP caliber basketball at this point in time. Yeah. And if that transitions into the playoffs and he delivers this type of production... Like, you can't get away with Quinn Cook on on Dame right. or Sean Livingston. Right. I mean, what do you do? KD? I mean, I, I'm not sure what you even do. Yeah, I, I don't know. And that's no offense to Quinn Cook, who's played well in Curry's absence. But oh, yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. Right, but, like, it's a fair question. I mean, I yeah, I really don't know. You know, he could, he could put 50 on you and yeah. win a game by himself. Right. Same goes for CJ. Technically, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's let's switch from the Warriors to the Rockets. Luckily, no huge injuries to report there. I mean, Chris Paul has been nursing a little hamstring injury, but it doesn't seem like it's all that serious. I think he's he was at least questionable to play Tuesday night against the Bulls. If I mean, if I'm the Rockets, like why? Why <laughs> don't bring him back? Just let him no. recover. The Bulls they yeah. play the Suns on Friday. No, just like this is a holiday. Yeah. 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 Come on. But I mean, otherwise they have, they've lost, I think I looked this up yesterday. Yeah. So they were 34 and wait, no, they were 30 and 12 against the, they lost against the Clippers on January Mm. 15th. They were 30 and 12. Since then they have gone 30 and two. Yeah. Over the last two months of the season, there's their only losses were a two-point loss at the New Orleans Pelicans and a three-point loss at the Toronto Raptors. Any concerns about this Rockets team going into the playoffs? No. Yeah. Nope. I, I'm pretty confident they'll make a lot of noise, and I maintain that they are they are the team to beat at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, as, as weird as it sounds. Yeah. Espe- I mean, uh, especially with the Curry injury, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe even without it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We we both were saying Rockets and Warriors was closer than a lot of people were giving credit to mm-hmm. even before the Curry injury. But yeah, I'm 100% with you. Rockets should be the favorites to win the NBA Finals as of this moment. Um, I mean... Yeah, not, not saying like they're bound to do it. Right. Just so we make it clear to people out there, we're not saying that this is definite, definitely going to happen, but... At this point, they just they appear to be the better team. They're yeah. hungrier as well. I mean, I, I know that that's like an emotional stance that you can't quantify. Mm-hmm. But when 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 they were asked about the sixty wins, they were just like, "I don't care. Yeah, we don't care. That's that's not important. Right? Screw screw the sixty wins. I mean, championship. You're not worried." About Chris Paul having never made a conference finals, you don't think there's a curse? Oh <laughs> come on, screw those curses and all that. Look, yeah. this time around, he has a center who right now is averaging fourteen and eleven and two blocks in just over twenty minutes, twenty-seven minutes a game. Yeah. Look, Clint Capella is out of this world, and we do not talk enough about this kid. That's true. The thing is, though, like we were talking about, we had an episode in regards to restricted free agents because he's going to be a free agent this summer Mm -hmm. and 
like because of the setup that they have in Houston, he is awesome, but he needs to have these type of guards as CP3 and James Harden to really be able to to utilize the open space that they provide. So mm-hmm. I doubt that anyone else is going to throw big money at him if they don't have like an all NBA type point guard. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to Houston just keeping this guy maybe a little bit cheaper than we expect and him just developing further into like the best damn center in the league. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I'm not going to go that far. No, no, you know what I mean. Like in yeah, the ballpark yeah. of that because yeah, he's so yeah. good. I no, know, is, I know. Yeah. I, that's blasphemy because Joel Embiid is there. Well, I know. Towns and Cousins and Davis. Oh, but but no, until Towns actually learns how to play defense, I'm not yeah. really concerned, Brian. Well, until Towns stops <laughs> playing 45 minutes a game. Plenty of time to learn defense, Brian. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I mean, the I guess the only concern about Houston on my end is like, we know what they're trying to do, right? You you want to go offensively, you want to hit threes and shots close to the basket. The Spurs had a formula last year where they guarded those two types of things very well and funneled, they, they just left mid-range shots open and Houston refused to take them for much of that series. Luckily, now they have Chris Paul, who has made a career out of those shots. So I'm not, I was just about to interrupt yeah, like, you and go with that. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not especially <laughs> concerned there, but... You know, I could see a team gumming up a game or two against them and forcing them to adjust. But mm. at this point, I would be very surprised if Houston at least did not make the conference finals. And as you said, Mort, I think they're they should be considered the favorites to win the NBA finals as well. Mm. Now let's move to the East, where we also Ugh, like we Curry. We got some bad news in Boston. Uh, Kyrie Irving. He left in a game on March 11th due to left knee soreness, missed a couple games. Then we got word that he was going to get a second opinion on his knee. Uh, and then on Saturday, <laughs> like within hours of the Curry news, we also find out that Kyrie underwent a minimally invasive procedure to remove a tension wire in his left knee. The wire was originally placed as part of the surgical repair of the fractured patella he sustained during the 2015 NBA Finals. The patella had fully healed, and the knee was found to be completely structurally sound, but he is expected to return to basketball activities in three to six weeks. And based on that wording, again, return to basketball activities does not mean he's going to be back playing, you know, suiting up in in a playoff game. So we haven't gotten word, you know, the Celtics, unlike Steve Kerr, have not definitively ruled him or effectively ruled him out of the first round. But in my mind, he's likely to miss the first round or at least much of it. Yeah. I'm going to ask the same question I did at the Warriors, Mort. Do you think the Celtics are in danger of a first round upset? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Look, if I'm Boston... I'm just looking at this season and going, whatever happens, that's fine. Yep. Like, if they, theoretically, even if they get swept in the first round, mm-hmm. doesn't matter because yep. of all the injuries, just does not matter. Look at it as a gelling year, you know, all these new, new guys coming together. And then next year, when Gordon is ready and Kyrie is, is ready, and they might have gotten Marcus Smart off their roster, <laughs> which I think will help them eventually. Mm-hmm. Even though he is fantastic defensively, but that price tag, I'm not sure that's going to be a, enough. Right. Uh, 
then I just think next year is is the is the better year to just look at it and go, you know, this is going to be the season where we really just become the the, the dominant force of the East. Yep. Because then, then they've had a year. Everybody knows everybody. There won't be these tensions. Hopefully Gordon Hayward doesn't go down again. And yep. yeah. Uh, so whatever happens, if they make the conference finals, good on them. If they lose four first games, fine. Mm-hmm. No problem. Yep. Totally agree. Your thing about it doesn't matter at this point. Like mm. Jalen Brown has turned out to be a very good player. Jason Tatum looks like a future all-star. Like they, they got... You know, given the circumstances they were dealing with from opening night, I would say this season probably went better than anyone could have reasonably expected. They're fifty-one and twenty-three without Gordon Hayward. Like they yeah. very well could have been flirting with sixty wins. I mean, hell, they're gonna flirt with sixty wins already. Like they could have been a sixty-win team with Gordon Hayward in the lineup. So yeah, I mean, ideally Kyrie will come back and maybe they can make a run once he does. But right now they're you know the 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 race in the East is still cluttered as well. Right now, the Bucks are seventh at thirty-nine, thirty-four. The Heat are a half game behind them, and the Wizards are only a half or a full game up on the Bucks, so they could they could move up. Actually, I mean they're two and a half behind the Pacers, so the Wizards are probably going to be sixth or seventh. But like one of those three teams—Washington, Milwaukee, or Miami—is most likely playing Boston. Milwaukee would be an absolute nightmare matchup, but would I mean, they though? I'm so glad you mentioned them. Um, look, I had them as that as well. But when you look at their record yeah. and the ups up and down season, I mean, how I'm I, is that the team in the league this year that's underperformed the most compared to expectations? I would say and talent. Charlotte, mo- Charlotte probably beats them. You think so? I mean, look, before this season, I looked at Milwaukee as going, oh, they could win 50. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think you and I both pegged them as a top-four team. Yeah, I mean, look, th- this team with that level of talent and they're 39 and 34 without, you know, Giannis missing a, missing a lot of time. Like, what's he, he's missed five games. Mm-hmm. Chris Middleton has not missed a single game. Eric Bledsoe has 62 games under his belt now after the trade. They're, I mean, mi- they're missing rookie of the year, Malcolm Brogdon, though. They, that they are, <laughs> and they and they got Jabari Parker back pretty late. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, there are some issues, but still, thirty nine and thirty four, I still expect it a lot better. I yeah, really I did. did. I did too. But I think you know, looking at them last year, they were kind of they they just floated along. we in that same boat. They're forty two and forty, and then mm. come the playoffs, like they put a real damn scare in the Raptors in the first round. So they I, did, but they didn't. I mean, they didn't win. Yeah. And if this that if that's the same situation this year, I wouldn't be surprised if Milwaukee's front office is going okay. That's two years in a row where we've kind of floated about, giving someone a scare in the first round, but really haven't gotten ourselves further. Mm-hmm. So, I would I wouldn't be surprised if this disappointment of this season leads to some changes next year. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I just think Giannis in the playoffs is terrifying, and no, no team. Should oh, Giannis be. is terrifying regardless. Even right. when he's on sixty minutes, you're terrified because yeah. of looking at him. Like, yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah, I mean, he's gonna own everything for the next ten years. Right. So, yeah, I mean, they, they've. You're right. They've definitely been inconsistent and have underperformed based on talent. But I think the talent is there for them to string together a pretty damn good series, especially with 
you know, Kyrie most likely out, Marcus Smart most likely out. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, we don't talk enough about him too, but he's a damn good point guard, and I think he mm-hmm. would eat Terry Rozier's lunch, with all due respect oh, yeah. to Terry Rozier. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I really think any one of those teams could pull off the upset. Like the Wizards will get John Wall back soon. The Heat, I mean, <laughs> it feels like smoke and mirrors with them a lot of the time, but they're good. Like they just they don't have any one true superstar, but they just have like eight or nine really legitimately good players, which makes them kind of harder to beat like it's not like toronto last year where you shut down lowry and DeRozan and they their head falls off like miami if you shut down Whiteside, all right cool like tyler johnson and josh richardson and uh james johnson can beat you so one thing here about miami right mm-hmm. because as you just alluded to they have no superstar yeah the heat right now are projected to having zero picks in this draft mm. zero picks Oh, and Goran Dragic trade. Yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. So when you look at that and you go, oh, they have like the roster with all the role players just ready. They just need like someone who's featured, like Mm -hmm. a superstar. Not having draft picks is just, oh, that is just (laughs) not good planning. Yeah. Because that entire team is just there waiting for someone to step up and go, oh hey, hi, I'm a star, and right. everyone there, you're you're there for me. I mean, I have spot up shooters, I have defensive oriented guys, I have rebounders, I have hard screen setters, I have everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's quite unfortunate. Yeah, I guess they wanted Hassan Whiteside to be that guy, but he's just yeah, not the silence there. is deafening. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, and and getting Dwayne Wade back is. It's fun and all, but right. I mean, he's had some good offensive explosions. Like he single-handedly killed the Sixers one night. But yeah, yeah. I know, but but, but yeah. you know, he's thirty-six. So right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm glad we agree that Boston is in real danger in the first round. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's move to the Cavs more. We we've talked about them recently, so we don't need to go too far in depth on them. But again, they're they're in a battle for the number three seed. They. Yep. In all likelihood, I, I mean, they're not going to play the Sixers in the first round. It's probably going to come down to Indiana, maybe Washington, maybe Milwaukee. Do you think any of those teams have a chance to knock them off? I mean, yeah, honestly, because I'm kind of concerned. LeBron is doing everything he can at this point just to keep the team alive and afloat. And he is, uh, I believe, still a human being, potentially. Mm-hmm. In theory. And in theory and and human beings tend to get tired at some point yeah when they ex- assert themselves for so long and he has for quite a period of time and there's not really a whole lot of help in that rotation i mean kevin love has come back and and produced pretty fairly but not as like a second fiddle rodney hood has just been abysmal mm-hmm. honestly larry nance has been good but he's low volume so I could see a first-round upset there. And I'm glad we talked about it because you, right before we started recording, I told you I had a hot take trade. Yes. Okay. So a, a lot of parameters have to be there. Oh, boy. Okay. No, but yeah, but like we, you and I have talked about this at length, that LeBron is probably more inclined to leave this summer, right? Right. Okay. So imagine him wanting to go to the Spurs. Like mm-hmm. let's say LeBron 
just said, you know what? Screw it. I just want to have a couple years under pop just to see what it is like. Just what I want to experience the best coach of all time. Mm-hmm. And let's say that on the Spurs end, you you learn that Kawhi just does not want to return to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And remember, if LeBron leaves, he leaves. Like there's no way you know you you get anything for him. Mm-hmm. And the Spurs don't really have the cap space, so a sign and trade LeBron. For Kawhi straight up. Oh, God damn it. No, but like, think about it. Kawhi insists he does not want to re-sign with the team. He does not want to return. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think both teams would do it. Yeah, but, I think, but I'm just saying that think, could be fun. I think Sarah, the sound you just heard is Sarah blocking you on Twitter forever. I know, I know, but <laughs> I, I know and I apologize to Sarah. Okay, no, I don't, but <laughs> close to it. No, but it's it's an interesting you know, thought experiment though, because LeBron, I have to assume, would be interested in playing for Pop. He loves Pop, yeah, right? And if Cleveland bows out in the first round, he would definitely want to go somewhere mm-hmm. where you know you have an established culture. And with all the unknowns of Kawhi running about, come on, get with me on this one. No, I'm, no? I'm not. I'm not not caving. I also, I just don't see why LeBron, like, I don't know, joining, I guess, joining that Spurs team, they'd be right in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not concerned about the fit. It's just like, I just don't understand why he would go west. And I'm not saying that just because I want him to go on the Sixers, but like, if you go to the west, you have to play Golden State and Houston, one of those two, if not both, before you even get to the finals. Like, go, go, stay in the east. Pop love, man. I know, but he he can play in the Olympics in 2020. There, there you go. You can play for Pop then. <laughs> you want to win rings, homie? Stay in the East, and you can win your rings. I, I just I just want this chronicle because if it happens, we'll go back to this episode. That's fair. Just, yeah. Okay. Good. Just like if he goes to the Sixers, I'm gonna stunt on everyone for the next 15 years. Oh, uh, and you know what? You know who's also going to be stunted in his development? Ben Simmons. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but on the Cavs note, I mean, I, I mean, we've talked, you know, I think a couple episodes ago that our biggest fear out of them was inconsistency. Since that episode, though, Kevin Love returned and has looked like he missed no time at all. Like, he's been great since coming back, and they've picked up big wins over Milwaukee, over Toronto. Mm-hmm. That, that Toronto game was a playoff game. Like, that was. was an excellent game on both sides. So, you know, they've won six of their last seven, four of which came against Phoenix twice, Chicago, and Brooklyn. So I'm not taking too much stock in that. But I, I, I feel more confident about Cleveland right now than I do Boston. Like, if Cleveland gets the three, I think they're in the conference finals no matter what. I mean, yeah, I, I too feel more confident in Cleveland than Boston. But I'm just saying that Cleveland, given that the, the the way that they're using LeBron right now and playing him that many minutes yeah just is kind of concerning uh i wouldn't be like if he has just one of those games where he's tired and can't produce mm-hmm. they lose yeah. he has to be on you know the a plus lebron james scale caliber greatness whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. for them to win at this point take yeah. him out of the equation and they become what like a 23 win team yeah and I mean, the problem for them is 
They have a game, a game lead over the Sixers right now for the three seed. You're going to want... Both of those teams are desperately wanting the three seed, so you can avoid Toronto until the conference finals. But as I mentioned earlier, Philly has an absolute cakewalk schedule the rest of the season. Cleveland, on the other hand, they are at Miami Tuesday night, back-to-back at Charlotte Wednesday, then have a four-game homestand against New Orleans, Dallas, Toronto, Washington, at Philly next Friday, and then close out with a home-and-home against the Knicks. So, I mean, they, they have a bunch of, like, you know, Miami could be tricky. New Orleans is very much playing for something as well. Oh, so, yeah. They're, I think they're going to drop the, the one against the Pelicans. Yeah, and then, like, Toronto, I, I think those guys are going to go all out again. I think they mm-hmm. want to set a tone. Washington, same thing, like, and Philly. Like, all of those teams have something to play for. The only ones that don't on their schedule are Charlotte, Dallas, and the two games against the Knicks. So it makes me nervous if they slide to the four, and frankly, it should make Toronto nervous too because that would suck if whatever team. I mean, I think Toronto and Cleveland are the two best teams in the East right now with Kawhi or with Kyrie sideline. Mm. So it would suck if those two teams have to play in the conference semifinals, and whichever team in the two-three bracket just gets to kind of <laughs> march its way to the conference finals um, uncontested, provided that the Celtics go down. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be, it. you know, everyone's talking about the Western Conference playoff race, but the East has some pretty fascinating implications as well, especially with the Kyrie injury. So there, there's a lot to monitor there uh, in the coming days and weeks as well. So more, let's move now to the Raptors. Any big concerns there for you? Nope. <laughs> Nothing at all. Not sure what that should be. DeRozan I, is still healthy. Kyle, yeah. Kyle Lowry is still healthy. Serge Ibaka is still healthy. Jonas Valanciunas is still taking threes. I'm I'm digging what they're doing. So here are my two concerns for them. And neither of them are that big. Like, again... Much like Houston, I think Toronto should be favored to make it out of the East and make it to the finals. With all due respect mm-hmm. to Cleveland and what they've done, I think Toronto has proven itself as the best team in the East this year. Two things do worry me, though. One, I fear a reversion to the isolation hero ball kind of play that they had last year when they are in close games in the waning moments. I saw a little mm-hmm. bit of that in that Cleveland-Toronto game the other night. It felt like Kyle Lowry... Like ball movement kind of died out uh, on a few possessions, and if they revert to that at the worst possible time, uh, that could be an issue. And then we've talked right, about right, but hasn't that hasn't that been the concern all the year though? Like, yes, hasn't that been in the back of your mind at all? But like when you asked me if there's any concerns, I was thinking outside of you know what everyone is concerned about, which is what you just said. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, it has been, and they've. You know they're seventy four games in, and they've proven yeah. most of the time that they're they're good and they're sticking to the system. But I think that is you know it's an underlying issue, at least worth as you said keeping in the back of your mind. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, in that case, I agree with you. Then I have that concern. I was just thinking about okay, if you have any new concerns because that one I feel has been a thing since the start of the season. Even when they changed their offense, you were. You just you're still like, I have to see them prove in the playoffs. 
right. until they I, they've delivered that i'm still cautious about it but i mean look at them right now if, if you disregard that concern they're just bloody excellent I oh mean, yeah yeah right I, this is again it's not a enormous concern because i i think they're the best team and i don't think we're gonna see that but you know mm. it, the fact that i saw a little bit of it in that cleveland game at least like raised a minor alarm um and then the other thing is the you know we've mentioned repeatedly how damn good toronto's bench is but as we've also seen in playoffs past a lot of teams <laughs> adopt a tipsy approach once the playoffs roll around and starters go from the low 30s to the high 30s or even the mm. low 40s in terms of minutes so Dwayne Casey has come out and said he's not going to change his rotation he's going to stick with his bench they've been producing all year but those guys are going to have less opportunities now against fellow reserves like there's a difference between you know doing that against a Rodney Hood versus a LeBron James so yeah. I <laughs> no. Mean, no. Right, right. So, like, yeah, Toronto's bench <laughs> and yeah. depth is a weapon and it's a great resource. Yeah. But I do worry. I mean, mm. you know, that that five man lineup of CJ Miles, Jakob Pertl, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and Delon Wright, they have the second best net rating of any five man lineup that's played at least 250 minutes. They're at 21, plus 21.3. So, like, they've been absolutely killing it all year. This is no disrespect to that bench unit. But, again, it's a little bit different when you're going against fellow reserves versus going against, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers starting five. Yeah, I don't... I'm honestly not concerned about the starting five in Cleveland outside of LeBron. Yeah. Well, Kevin Love... I'm not nervous about Kevin Love. Look... I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like he, you know what you're gonna get. He never drives the basketball. Mm. Like you, you know how to close him out. What you don't know is the is what the freight train LeBron James is gonna do. <laughs> right. Like he is so unpredictable. He's the whole, he's the engine. Is that I legitimately think that like I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago that Cleveland would be a 23 win team without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would be dreadfully predictable. Yeah. And and George Hill just so we don't forget, has actually played worse for Cleveland than he did in Sacramento all year. Yeah. Well, okay. So then well, disregard the Cleveland example. Say in the first round, say you get Milwaukee. Like, you're going to have to Now, see, against, now you're talking. Yeah. Right, because, now you're going right. to have to go against Giannis and Chris Middleton and Eric yeah. Bledsoe and maybe, I mean, in theory, Malcolm Brogdon will be back by the time the playoffs start. So That's because you're going up against length, athleticism, mm-hmm. creativity, which... You know the Cleveland supporting cast has virtually none of. <laughs> right. So yeah, absolutely. Like that's that's a legitimate threat. Yeah, or Miami too. You got Josh Richards, Josh Richardson, James Johnson, mm. Dragic, Whiteside. If he comes back, Olenek. Yeah, Tyler Johnson. Oh yeah, Tyler Johnson's been good recently. Yeah. yeah. Wayne, Wayne Ellington <laughs> off the bench. I mean, like. Mm-hmm. You know, it, oh, he's my crush, by the way. Is he? Spoiler. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. And then like Philly too. You know, Philly's Philly's starting lineup about again among teams with or five man lineups with at least two hundred and fifty minutes. They're third in the league. They're mm-hmm. with a net rating twenty one point one. So like, if you've got Toronto's reserves against 
some combination of Covington, Embiid, Reddick, Sarge, and Simmons. Like, again, what, I guess we'll we'll see two of the best three lineups in the league going against each other. So if could be fun, you know, if the Philly slips to four, it's at least a possibility. So again, none of these are enormous concerns. I am much more concerned about the Warriors and the Celtics. I'd say in terms of my overall panic, I'm right. Celtics is number one. Yeah. Warriors is number two. Eh, I guess Warriors and Cavs are kind of in the same tier, just because. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the Warriors still have a lot of talent. I just have no idea what to expect out of the Cavs. And then the Rockets and Raptors. I'm probably like slightly more concerned about the Raptors than I am the Rockets, but I'm not all that concerned about either team. This is just I like, hadn't, yeah, yeah. I I hadn't thought about putting it in tiers, and regarding boston i'm just not worried because i think it i think it, their circumstances are just so special mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter like i mentioned earlier if they are swept or whatever so they're not even on my list mm-hmm. I, I would i would have cleveland um up top and that's mm-hmm. really that's really the only one i've i've given any consideration of because mm-hmm. i think they are overplaying lebron i think lebron's quest to go for 82 games just because is silly mm-hmm. and I have a feeling that if he if he collapses and just is less effective in the playoffs, not that I expect him to be, but there's always this concern. And given that he's 33, I mean, you just can't rule that possibility out. Mm-hmm. I, I think that just leaves them completely naked. Completely. Yeah. So that, that they are my, like, they are, you know, light years ahead mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of of my concern regarding them. Um, and then everyone else, I'm, I'm not really concerned about Houston at all. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm concerned about Golden State to an extent, but it, they're also coached by Steve Kerr, right. and I have tremendous faith in Steve Kerr as a coach and as a human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a feeling that whatever adversity they're going to bump into, like he's got the correct approach to it because he's just so damn smart that it's making me jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Cleveland to me is just the one team i'm looking at consistently and going uh oh yeah yeah i mean my panic for the warriors aside from just steph being out is like i just think whoever the most likely whoever they're going to draw in the first round is like a legitimate team it's better than a typical seven seed so it's more just like oh shit they're they're in for a real series no matter what just because the west has been so competitive more so than Mm. Just you know, I think they're like I could see that screwed without Curry, but yeah, I guess it'll really depend on matchups. Like if if they get Spurs or Minnesota in the first round, I'm not all that concerned given those teams' respective issues as well. So, I'm sorry for spoiling your crush already, but do you want to explain why your crush? I I I think I spoiled my crush. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You did. Yeah, I did. Uh, So yeah, yeah, Wayne Ellington. I was the thing was. he had an eight-point game uh, two days ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw some of it, and, and I saw someone on Twitter uh, say, oh, that was an, an unusual bad game from Wayne. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought about it and was like, that's that's actually accurate. Like, mm-hmm. he's been he's been so solid all year long. And I, I thought, even though he's, he, did, he, ha- he hasn't had, like, the most impressive week or whatever, I just thought, you know, he deserves to have his name mentioned mm-hmm. during this season. And I've just picked out his last eight games as an example now. 14.4 points a game in, on for, in 30 minutes. 
He's hitting 3.8 shots from behind the arc at 42.3%. And despite averaging 30 minutes and 11.5 shot attempts and 1.5 assists, he's only turning the ball over once. He's he's one of those guys who's just spotting up and hitting shots and not turning the ball over. And I, I don't have a number on this, but I would love to see how little time he spends with the ball in his hands. Because mm-hmm. compared to how little time he spends on the ball, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that he's one of the most efficient players in the NBA in terms of points produced when averaged it into how many seconds he's holding the basketball. Yeah. Because it's just he's so efficient. And having those guys who can come in, not you know, take up a lot of possessions, but just be ready to shoot, mm-hmm. they're so valuable. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, the Sixers have proven it with Redick and Bellinelli Redick, the whole year. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Bellinelli handles the ball a little bit more, and yeah, he does true. it well. So, so yeah. yeah. But I, I get your sense of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, catch and shoot guys in general. Like it. Yeah. You, you can't always just relate on guys creating off the dribble for themselves. Like having someone who can catch and shoot is an enormous gift. I mean, shit. Look at Ray Allen back with the Heat and Celtics exactly. before that. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 the, and the beauty of it again, that's why I mentioned the turnovers. Is when you when your role is just catching and shooting the ball, it also lowers the risk of turning the ball over, which is just such a huge thing in today's league, right. especially when you go into the playoffs where one single turnover can just change the whole game. Yeah. So I mean, the the, the whole three and D evolution is also going to to look at this issue. I think I think you, you we you have a very secure superstar and you just flank him. Mm-hmm. With a bunch of three and D guys, yep. I, I would expect that overall turnover rate just to go down. So it's it's really interesting to see. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, he's a very good pick, Mort. Um, I think I need to cheat. Actually, I was gonna do one guy, but I think we need to do two. So, and they're both actually, ironically, replacements for guys who we expressed concerns about this episode. So mm-hmm. one is Quinn Cook, who. He's moved into the starting lineup, uh, I guess now eight games ago, in place of Curry. Then went back to the bench when Curry came back, and then went right back to the starting lineup Sunday against the Jazz. Uh, Didn't do all that much in his first three games as a starter. He had 25 points combined. But over his last five, he's at 20.6 points, 5.2 assists, 5 rebounds, almost three threes, and a steal and a half per game. So... You know, we expressed concern about Curry being gone uh, in this episode, but if Quinn Cook continues to produce at that at this rate, it's going to be less of an issue. That said, I mean, also KD and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green have been out, so he's not going to continue to produce at this rate when those guys come back. But I mean, you know, compared to he didn't really play all that much the rest of the year. So just knowing right. he's capable of producing like this, um, Will Gottlieb of Bleacher Report had a piece about him yesterday, I believe, and he spoke with Steve Kerr, who is just like, yeah, man, we've we've been encouraging him to shoot 20, or, we, you know, we, we know, like, right. based on our personnel right now, you need to score 20 or 25 a game. Like, we've been encouraging him to shoot, and... Cook has said like that's been huge for his confidence as well because he bounced around the league the first couple years he's mostly been in the D-League played really well there I think he was a two-time D-League all-star 
So he's, you know, he's been successful over the last couple of years. He just hasn't found a place to latch on. And then he was saying, like, going to the Warriors, you're just, like, trying not to step on anyone's toes because you're playing with four All-Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, like, Steph to be – he had some quote about, like, Steph told him, like, I don't care if you're 0 for 25. On that 26 shot, don't hesitate. Just pull up. And yep. for, like, for Steph to be delivering that message, you know, he – Quinn Cook could be a real X factor come playoff time for the Warriors. So shouts to him. Shouts to him. Okay, before you reveal your next one, yeah, I just want to because you just mentioned Quinn Cook's last five games. Yep. Now, and you just read the stat. I'm just going to repeat it because people might have gotten. Yeah. Twenty point six points a game, five boards, five point two assists, fifty two percent from downtown downtown on five and a half attempts in thirty seven minutes. Okay, that that's that's an all star line right there. Right. But in those five games, that was only his 34th to 38th career game. Mm. Now, what's interesting about that, had that been a rookie who over a five-game period had averaged those numbers, Twitter would have gone absolutely batshit insane. <laughs> yeah. Called this guy a huge Hall of Famer, yep. started like breaking off you know, the team that he played for just to rebuild it around this guy. Mm-hmm. But because this is a person who's bounced around, the, the, there isn't like a similar response like you look at the age oh he's 25 oh he's bounced around he was signed to training camp deals he played in the g league he was you know in summer league and whatnot mm-hmm. then these type of players are forgotten mm-hmm. and i hate that they are because it just proves that there is value to be found in those guys and yeah. i want the i want nba teams to pull the trigger on these type of guys more so than go back to like some old washed up players during the summer and go, Hey, Mr. 20 year old vet. Like, do you want to come here for the veterans minimum? Don't screw that. Look, look at what you've got. Yeah. Look at those players you can find. And I remember like, I'm just going to pimp our, us too, because you and I were all in on Quinn cook last year. We said some, some team should Mm -hmm. sign this guy. We wanted Quinn. We did not understand why Quinn Cook was not given a proper chance somewhere. Yeah. Look at what's happening right now. Right. And that's for the defending champion. Yeah. So NBA teams out there, just go find these guys. They are out there yeah. crying out loud. Yeah. I mean, the, the Warriors signed him to a two-way deal. And we saw this with Tyrone Wallace with the Clippers earlier this year. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like there is talent out there. And hopefully these two-way deals, we've seen a couple – huge success stories this year so hopefully that continues to facilitate that type of development moving forward but right. yeah i mean in this first year of these two-way deals you know that the warriors and clippers are sure as hell happy these exist now i'll say that much mm-hmm. uh the other crush i i am begrudgingly doing this but i have to give props where props are due terry roger over his last eight he's been starting or no sorry last seven he's started uh, similar stats to Quinn Cook, frankly. 18.6 points, 6 rebounds, nearly 5 assists, nearly 4 threes. Ironically, shooting better from 3-point range, 41.7% than he is overall, 396 during that stretch. Um, but, you know, in Kyrie's absence, he's played, he's played really damn well. And, you know, we've made countless jokes about uh, Danny Ainge and his steadfast refusal to trade terry roger no matter what you know it's been a mm-hmm. popular meme of oh lebron james for terry roger no you need to throw in another something else for that. <laughs> uh but to age's credit and to roger's credit he's showing why 
you know, this you don't want to give up a guy who could produce like this. Like this is one hell of an insurance policy when a guy like Kyrie goes down. He signed for one more year uh, on his rookie deal. I'll be really damn interested to see what happens with him in the summer of 2019. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, deserving shoutouts, Terry Rozier, begrudging deserving shoutouts. Well, to to be fair though. Like, I don't think anybody made fun of Rochier's talent. No, I, mean, no, I loved no. him coming out of Louisville. Right, I absolutely right. loved him. I, I mean, at that point in time, I thought he would he was maybe taken just a little bit too high at mm-hmm. 16. Yep. But, I mean, that was just a small thing. Yeah. I, I, I would much rather see Boston give him an expanded role and hand a lot, a big chunk of Marcus Smart's minutes to him mm-hmm. instead because... He's just that much more productive. Yeah. So absolutely. I mean, yeah. Shout out to Terry O'Shea. Good pick, Brian. I'm yeah. I'm all in on that one. Yeah. I mean, they they deserve it. And you know, if if Boston and Golden State survive these first round threats, it's going to be in large part because of Quinn Cook and Terry O'Shea. So yeah, mm-hmm. those guys deserve props as we head down the stretch here. So until next time, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. Uh, our Twitter handles are in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And as a reminder, we are being hosted on FanRag Sports until the end of the month. So for now, you can follow them on FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FRS Hoops with a Z. And then please, please, please subscribe via iTunes if you're on Apple or whatever Android apps you use i'm sure more will fill those in shortly um but we will be pocket both. cast and yeah pocket casts and podcast addict perfect yeah so we we will be hosted somewhere else come monday if you subscribe to our feeds that transition should be seamless if you don't you'll have to follow us on twitter or follow mort and i as well to get updates on when the new episodes come out but just do yourself a favor and subscribe to the feeds make it easy Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I'll probably declare for the NBA draft since Leandro Ball did too. (laughs) Good. Yeah. I I think you have an equal chance of being drafted. Aw. (laughs) Later, Mort. (laughs) Later. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.